This is the After Party, live with Kim McAllister and John Daly. Kim, Kim, good afternoon. Good afternoon to you. It is the After Party live. It's so good to be here. It's like a deep breath, a fresh breath. A respite uh, before you have to go back into mom mode. It's totally true. Before they come right busting the through show, the door. Mom hat goes on and Not here it comes after again. The show. Sometimes towards the end of the show. Mom! Today is nobody's home today except for uh, my husband and I. But ch- ch- t- today is karate and I think we have volleyball today. So, yeah. yeah. It's and, always something uh, over your here. Your husband and yourself, you keep your offices. They're kind of like firewalled off. We're different. Yeah, we, we don't yeah. see each other. We're separate because I'm all talking to you guys. Right. So yeah. I don't get to talk to him. He doesn't get to bust in on, on me. That's either, convenient. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> oh, so it is the after party live. We have a lot of really interesting stories lined up for you guys today. And um, among them is this one, which I, you know, I, I don't know if I believe it. I don't know who to believe on this one. I kind of believe I kind of believe Mitt Romney actually. So I Ooh, guess Oprah what? Winfrey what? and Mitt Romney Ooh. allegedly Mitt, Mitt says Oprah called him back in 2020 to ask him to run on a unity ticket with her. Right. Where she would be the president as a Democrat and he would be a vice president as a Republican. And that he said no, that he wasn't interested in doing that. So he comes out with this new memoir and says that this is what happened. And Oprah says, nope, I was never going to run. That's not what happened. That's not true. So let's just be clear. You are accusing Oprah of lying. Oprah. Oprah Winfrey. Look at her. Look at her reaction. Very disappointment for me to do that because I do love Oprah. I'm saying like I... I like Oprah a lot. What happened to the empowerment? You know, the empowerment that she imbued and shared with you all these years? But Mitt, he's very religious, and I don't think he's going to lie. Oh yeah, because religious people don't lie ever. No, but he is very upstanding, moral kind of. He's Mitt Romney. If if Mitt Romney tells a lie, there's got to be a good reason for it. Oprah's giving you a reason to think uh, that she's a liar. Here's what I think. Here's what I. Here's my best guess on this one. All right, this is my story I'm concocting in my head. Yeah, that Oprah calls Mitt and says, Mitt, what do you think about a unity ticket? Because maybe Oprah's had a glass of wine and she's like, we should do this. Right. Oh, now you're saying that she's an alcoholic. Yeah, she's boozing it. So she's a liar and an alcoholic. Look at you, Kim. (laughs) She says we should do this. And he says other women. Yeah. You know, not interested in doing that. And then but the whole time she never intended to run that, you know, she was thinking of some other Democrat in him. So to her. This is not what happened at all. But to him, this is the way he took it. So it, it's probably a matter of perception, right? Or just miscommunication. Maybe yeah. he filled in he filled in the gaps. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, like, oh, Oprah, Oprah's calling me. She obviously wants to run with me. Maybe that's what he's saying. Because back then there was a lot of talk about her running. Mitt is having that conversation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I like that you just, how quickly you throw Oprah Winfrey under the bus. After everything she's done... For women and empowerment and mm, self-help, and children, school children in different countries. The children, I know. Kim, the children. She's a nice, good lady, but I'm just saying, like she's Mitt a liar Romney, and an alcoholic who I, likes to drink saying, a glass of wine and and drunk dial Mitt Romney. Do you see Mitt Romney telling a lie for no reason? Uh, I like, I know enough about politicians not to give them 100 mm, uh, mm-hmm. faith. Okay, well. 
Okay, so apparently no Unity ticket. I've there met a never lot of was very one. good liars. And a lot of good, uh, good people who are good at misrepresenting themselves. Yeah, no. I, I, I think there might have been some miscommunication. And that's but how dare what, you doubt Oprah? That's what a spokesperson for Oprah Winfrey, Winfrey is telling The Hollywood Reporter. That she was never considering a run for president in 2020 and didn't want to be on a ticket in this upcoming book, A Reckoning, uh, by Romney. But apparently, uh, Winfrey's spokesperson says, in 2019... Winfrey, Ms. Winfrey called Senator Romney to encourage him to run on an independent ticket. That she was plausible. not. She was not calling to be part of the ticket, and she was never considering running herself. I don't think she would ever run with a Republican. Sorry, I just don't believe that. Uh, I don't think so either. I think this was um, a shadow writer or um, someone mm. at the publisher who wanted some salacious bit to get the book sales uh, juiced. Is that yes. too cynical? No, no, no. I think you're probably right about that. And Oprah's disappointed in you. Now that you guys have all trickled in over here from the Mark Thompson show, uh, could you click the like button for us? Just click it, click it. Uh, we'd really appreciate that. And if you're here and you haven't subscribed, please take a moment to click the subscribe button Wait, as click well. Click it or ticket? Click you're it or ticket. Tickets, are you? All of no. Well, I should <laughs> get it after party ticket well, for not on the subscribing. Chat room. No, that was the Mark Thompson <laughs> chat room. <laughs> but thank you for subscribing. Thank you for liking it. Uh, the super sticker is open. So we do appreciate any help that we can get that way. And I think, I don't know, but I think William with a $3.99, a $4 wow. super, sticker, uh, super sticker. Thank you for that. Really, really kind of you. Uh, we appreciate the help very much. So let's jump into animals because there is the cutest new thing and i'm so excited about this the cutest new thing from the people who brought you animals the cutest new thing it's all devoted to baby animals it's a, not really a show it's kind of like a live feed where i guess they switch around to baby animal feeds yeah it's on netflix this so is it's a like netflix big brother thing. except with animals it's called baby animal cam that's what it's called oh. i mean how do you not want to watch baby if i'm oh. going to be folding laundry and I'm, I don't really want to watch something I have to pay attention to all the time, but there's baby animals. I'm having it on baby animal cam. Like, I could see that being on in our house a lot. Yeah, I don't the see only, them moving, if though. It's, if it's a live moving. cam, well, that's not the live cam. That's a still picture, right? But if thank you, Kim, for it's a live cam, and, you know, sometimes <laughs> mama animals and daddy animals eat their young so it, oh, could, it has the potential it, why, to wait, go what? wrong this went dark this went dark it has the potential fast. to go dark but i'm hoping that's all the cute fuzzy good stuff that's what they I'm announced hoping. baby animal cam the first thought you have is like oh the parents yeah. are gonna eat their kids hey it's in the wild if it's animal cam then it's you know it's wild animals right i'm just saying anything could happen here wow you go oh, dark. no i know <laughs> When they go low, Kim goes dark. Oh, look at so, this So this girl. is going to be on Netflix, and they say... Oh, they now say this, is your, this is your swag that they can sell at the Netflix retail store. We're there you go. Today. Baby animal things. The, the stuffed baby animals. Oh, look at that little rhino. So cute. Uh, they say that this may go down as the most revolutionary piece of programming yet. Revolutionary? Right? The, the live animal cam. Let's, let's, baby let's calm animal down. Let's cam. calm down, Netflix. Calm down. Live streamed footage from the Cleveland Metro Park Zoo. 
no presenters, no dialogue, nothing happens in this whatsoever. It's on for two hours and then it ends without warning and then it's on again and it's just on and you just, it's baby animal cam and that's it. There's all there is to baby animal cam, just footage, no talking, no anything, just footage. That's it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. There, at some points there's jaunty music. Uh, and there might be a little pop-up graphic that says, sometimes otters run around. That's all that happens. They say for two hours, that's it. That's all you get. Yeah, yep. I don't know. How long can you stay tuned to that? Baby animal cam. Well, for I think a lot of people just like, maybe people that live alone or what have you, they like to keep the TV on and they don't necessarily want a lot of racket, but it feels like... If the TV's on, that somebody's there with them or something is, you know, they at least have something to keep them company. And baby animal cam fits that bill. Until the psychological trauma of uh, a parent <laughs> eating its child. I'm not saying them. that's going to happen. I'm just saying, and like, they go into a catatonic state. I'm looking and for what in the could happen. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, well, you know what else could happen? Another super sticker. Oh, really? Look at that. William, thank you for the $3 super sticker. That's really kind. What, is that William in front of a train or a bus? Thanks, William. Really nice yeah, of you. Yeah, that looks like, a, is that Am a, an Amtrak train? Yeah. Looks like it. Something like that. Very cool. Thank you for the help. We love it and appreciate it very much. So I guess Yeah, because we're not getting help from Oprah now. <laughs> Look at me turning away all the help we can get. Um, there are some animals in the world, not talking humans, that will do any thing they can to avoid having sex with the opposite sex don't come for oprah wait um, could you repeat that last sentence no <laughs> this this story is about female frogs who would rather fake their own deaths than mate with their boy frogs oh wow mm-hmm Oh, is that a picture of mating frogs? Well, you really pulled out all the stops here, John Daly. Really You're nice welcome. going. Yeah. Female European common frogs observed engaging in tonic immobility. So these are not royal frogs. These are the commoners. These are the commoners. They fake their own death to avoid mating. This is a new study published in the Royal Society Open Science. They will fake their own death to avoid unwanted uh, attention. They have an explosive breeding season, a very short season in which males fiercely compete for access to females. It results in scrambling and fighting. Males also harass, coerce, and intimidate females into mating. And the female frogs I are thought you were going to say in the workplace. No. <laughs> in the frog workplace. <laughs> in the frog work environment. Yeah. The female frogs are at risk of, uh, risk of getting trapped in what they call mating balls, where several males cling to them to vie for their intent, uh, attention, which could lead to their death. Oh, so wow. instead of putting up with all this baloney, they just fake their own death. They're like, I'm just going to lay here with my eyes closed and hope nobody sees me and hope they just think they just pass on by. Wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, I Impressive. guess faking death has been previously observed in amphibians, spiders, dragonflies. Uh, most of the time, it's to be not detected by a predator. But in the common frog case, it's to get out of having sex with your boy frog. Yeah, done. Pretty impressive. <laughs> and apparently, we're so fortunate 
Harry liked the the story. I like how you opened that topic. Yes. And you get a frog. And you get a frog. What? Harry, thank you for the $5. We appreciate that help. You guys are so nice. So we have William and William and Harry with the with the super chat. So awesome. So exciting. Thank you very much. Really kind. Uh, let's do some more animals. We're uh, overloaded with animals here. Okay. The last crocodile in Europe has... Uh, was unearthed 4 million years after it vanished. Check this out. Oh. Researchers have uncovered hundreds of ancient animal fossils from more than 4 million years ago, including the remains of what they believe may have been the, quote, last crocodile in Europe. The discoveries came during excavations that began in September at the Baza 1 site in the province of Granada in southern mm -hmm. Spain. You know where that is, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, the Catalan Institute of Human Paleoecology and Social Evolution announced in a press release. The site was discovered in 1996, but it wasn't until 2000 and 2001 that the systematic excavation work resumed. During these excavations, researchers recovered more than 2,000 fossils in an area no larger than about 320 square feet. That's smaller than my apartment, much smaller. <laughs> Impressive, 2,000 fossils. Now a team of paleontologists have uncovered more than 500 fossils of large and small vertebrates, at the site, the bones are about 4.5 million years old and in excellent state of preservation, according to the mm. researchers. Uh, among them are the remains of mastodons. You know, of course, you've, you've mm. seen the mastodon, uh, an ancient type of elephant-like mammal. Rhinoceroses, two species of horse, bovids of various size, large and small deer, pigs, large carnivores, and turtles. That's mm. pretty cool. That's really cool. Well, I have a st turtle story for you, speaking of that. And this turtle. is out of the Galapagos. The giant Galapagos tortoises are apparently hey. revamping their <laughs> habitat. So I guess in the late 19th century, there were settlers, there were whalers, there were pirates. And it all this yarr. activity there changed Petaluma Radio Pirates. They changed the ecology of the Galapagos Islands by poaching some native species like Galapagos giant tortoises and then introducing others like goats and rats. So the rats became pests. They destabilized the island ecosystem. Goats overgrazed the fruits and the plants uh, and the tortoises uh, that the tortoises ate, the plants that they ate, while rats preyed on the turtle eggs. So over time, the Galapagos turtle population really plummeted. There's an island called Española on the southeast of the uh, island chain there. And the tortoise count fell from 10,000 to just 14. That's Ooh. it. 14. So now conservationists are trying to restore the Galapagos giant tortoise on Española. And they're working on the island ecosystem as well. And they did it by first getting rid of uh, the introduced species, capturing the remaining 14 tortoises and breeding them in captivity without the competition from the goats and the uh, turtles in cages, the ecosystem transformed back. And over time, the overgrazed terrain became overgrown with densely packed trees and bushes. And now it looks like they're ready for the turtles to go back not into captivity, but out into the wild on the island of Española. And the turtles are helping this critically endangered uh, albatross as well also breed here as it returns. This is all very interesting. And the turtles are grazing fallen leaves. They're The way that they're eating and what they're doing is helping restore the ecosystem of the island. So they're smart. We don't do that. We don't, we don't like build our own environment back. 
Well, no, no we're we, too. We just no. kind of destroy ours. You know what I like, though? I like doing a story and coming back and seeing a super sticker. It's like story, super sticker, story, super sticker. Wes T with a $5 super sticker. Wes in Florida. Thank you for that. I hope things are going well in Florida and that it's a nice sunny day and that you get a nice, um, nice little ocean breeze wherever you are in Florida. And I hope uh, everyone in Florida... Maybe you don't live by the ocean. I don't know. I'm just assuming everyone lives by the ocean in Florida, right? Uh, Or by a croc or a lake. That's right. Um, but we hope if you Thanks, are in Wes. Florida or anywhere that you, and you're online, make sure that you're not falling uh, victim to scams. Check this out. People are falling hook, line, and sinker for scammers posing as Bay Area restaurants. So scores of scam Instagram, uh, Instagram accounts, so these are fake Instagram accounts, are pretending to be Bay Area restaurants and have popped up in recent months imitating business pages, uh, large and small, like new San Francisco Mediterranean restaurant Dalida uh, or Dalida. And small, like Singaporean uh, pop-up, Daobao, Daobao, Singapore. For restaurant owners, the scams are mostly a nuisance. They spend their time reporting these accounts to get them taken down and feel that the response from Meta, Instagram's parent company, has been lacking. Uh, but What the, do they want you to do? Order directly from the restaurant and then nothing ever comes? Well, let's let's find out, Kim. Hmm. The scammers have mastered the art of deception. <laughs> they, oh. <laughs> uh, in at least six instances observed by the Chronicle, the fake accounts copy the real business's Instagram bios down to the emojis and hours of operation. They're typically mm-hmm. private accounts without any any posts, and then they re, uh, which requests to follow the real business's followers and then message them with some kind of scam. So they'll mm-hmm. say something like, "You're very lucky to have been chosen as the winner." Reads a message from the fake John's oh, Grill account, no. asking mm-hmm. the recipient to click on a link to receive a gift. At the time, the real John's Grill was giving away a gift card to celebrate its 150th or 115th anniversary. So you can see how they kind of align their scam yeah. with something that was mm-hmm. real. Um, their owner thought the scammer may have been capitalizing on that. It's unclear why Fishers may be targeting Bay Area food businesses. I would say probably because there are a lot of affluent people here that order all their food, you know, order out here in the city. Uh, food delivery is, uh, is a huge thing. Uh, the Chronicle tried to contact several of the favorite, uh, the fake accounts, but didn't receive messages back. That's a, that's a surprise, right? So be be aware that uh, if you get a message from a restaurant, most likely it's a scam. I I yeah. always say like start with the default position of like unsolicited uh, communication from a company you don't do business mm-hmm. with. It's probably a scam. <laughs> Just yeah. start from that point um, and then have them prove otherwise. Let's go to the story where. These are some old frozen embryos. These embryos are making history, okay? These are not fresh. These are not freshies. These are 30-year-old frozen embryos. Whoa. I didn't think they were supposed to last that long. But these two came from embryos that were frozen in 1992. And they now hold the record for developing from the longest frozen embryos known to result in a live birth. See, I mean, it looks this wonderful they're born and they have life and they're beautiful little babies. But that's kind of a chance because you're taking a chance. um, Something could go wrong with those things. That's like serious time travel. It's kind of weird. Like they're born in the wrong generation. And of course, it's true. And of course, the embryos uh, had to be adopted because the person they came from now is way too old to give life, right? Um, Rachel Ridgway is only three older three years older than her newborns so that's so weird isn't it weird technically the embryos are 30 years old and she's 33 so you know the boss of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) you're only three years older than me that's weird so weird rachel and her husband philip got pregnant 
three decades after these embryos of their son and daughter, they're named Timothy and Lydia, were frozen in 1992. The biological parents have stayed anonymous, but they donated their leftover embryos to the National Embryo Donation Center after they went through in vitro. The nonprofit, it's a Christian nonprofit, offers frozen embryo transfers only to heterosexual so, couples so we who've know been they, married. They never, they never lie or misrepresent anything, right? For at least religious. three years. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're, mis- you're mischaracterizing I'm just, what I'm saying. No, I'm just taking your standard. Mm-hmm. Religious people don't lie. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, Mitt. They were apparently, yes, as, as happened, stored in liquid nitrogen along with thousands of other embryos. Uh, a devout Christian, Philip, Uh, I think the dad said, I was five years old when God gave life to these embryos. The birth was more remarkable because Rachel was just three at the time of their conception. Uh, She said it's mind-blowing to think about that. Yeah, they already have four kids between the ages. So they were like in a holding pattern waiting to land. Two and eight. Yeah, now they have six kids. They said we needed some fertility assistance to conceive our three oldest children. So Square says one looks... uh... Like a pound or two heavier. Are you fat shaming the, the 30 year old <laughs> frozen embryo, baby. embryos? No fat shaming. Yeah. So, yeah, they uh, they have two new little babies that are, you know, now the oldest embryos on record that have successfully been transplanted. Oh, now they can go on uh, Guinness World birth. Records. Yeah. That's right. Um, speaking of fat, though, <laughs> ice Uh-oh. cream and potato chips, turns out mm-hmm. we teased this yesterday, are just as addictive as cocaine. Or heroin. Oh, really? Yeah, according Uh, to researchers, and you know they put their time into this, can't put down that bag of potato chips. Science says it's not you. It's the junk food, mm ultra-processed foods, or UPFs. I didn't know that was a thing. UPFs (laughs) are just as addictive as nicotine, cocaine, or heroin, experts say. Wait, UPF like Frank? Yes, ultra-processed foods. So while you're looking out at your UAFs, your uh, unidentified aerial phenomenon, or what, what are they? You know, like a UFO? Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're probably uh, at the 7-Eleven, um, you know, uh, having some UPFs, some ultra-processed foods. I'm just yeah. saying. Uh, but they could be as addictive as nic- nicotine, cocaine, heroin, and more than 1 in 10 people are hooked. A new analysis of 281 studies across 36 different countries has uncovered that a staggering 14% of adults are hooked on the UPFs. Mm. Uh, the finding is shocking given that UPFs think sausage, ice cream, biscuits, soft drinks, and sugary cereals have previously been linked to cognitive decline, cancer, psychological distress, oh, and no. even an early death. The analysts, uh, the I'm sorry, the analysis was led by University of Michigan professor Ashley Gearhart. Uh, <laughs> she had some fun, who previously created the Yale Food Addiction Scale. Oh, interesting. By applying the same criteria that experts use to diagnose substance addiction. Uh, the criteria include uncontrollable and excessive consumption, cravings, and continued intake despite potential negative health impacts. Harry says, U- Lays, you can't eat just one. <laughs> UPFs. Yeah. Are you addicted to UPFs? I have had points in my life where I would say yes. And I think it's more about habit than addiction, maybe. Anything in the photo here? Um, There was a point where... I really liked McDonald's French fries and I Mm. happened to be driving to and from the city every day and I would Ah. be hungry and I wouldn't eat anything at work and it'd be eight hours and I would be driving right past the, And so, yeah. And also I would say ice cream. I have an ice cream issue, but Right. right now 
it's funny. You kind of get to a point where it doesn't, it's not the same anymore, you know? Like the, it's a diminishing return. You're not getting the same yeah. high off your addiction. Maybe that's it. Maybe you've just overloaded yourself, but You're your body just doesn't, your body, body doesn't react the same anymore. Your body's like, no, thank you. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, my solution seems to be to just not buy it. Mm-hmm. So I just don't stock the house with anything that is tempting. So when I'm really, really well, hungry, I'm like, ooh, yeah. there's some a bag of walnuts from Costco. Let's if have you a never handful get and into shut that, up. If you never get into that <laughs> habit, then, you know, you're, it's not in it for you. But Yeah, we were a, not allowed to go. Uh, not only, uh, I told you on a previous show, we were not yeah. allowed to have a food coloring, but we were not allowed to have McDonald's when I was a kid. Thanks, oh. Mom. But yeah. I kind of ruined that when I went to go work for them in high school. Kind of. Yeah, <laughs> slam. <laughs> Speaking of unhealthy, uh, you know, a lot of kids are going to get candy for Halloween. Yes. And there's a story out of USA Today about what is the healthiest Halloween candy? Oh, hmm. interesting. That's not the point of Halloween candy, right? That's good trivia, though. So first of all, what's your favorite Halloween it's a, candy? Well, it's a good excuse to just have twice as many, right? You know what? I've been thinking about this because my mom buys the Costco all chocolate bag. Right. Uh, and what's interesting about this, I didn't realize it. Um, it the, the Usually when you see a bag, it's all the, the sister brands, right? All mm-hmm. the same company. But the yeah. Costco bag actually has c- competitors. They're uh, all in the, in the same, same bag. bag. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, oh, it's all the good stuff. It's like uh, curated. Um, but I really like Twix. Really? I like the the caramel and the and the cookie the crunch of a Twix, huh? Yeah, and I just All saw right. that Seinfeld episode yesterday where uh, George is going <laughs> on about it. it's the only cookie with the or it's the only candy with the cookie uh, crunch, right? Because the guy was stealing his bar. Um, yeah, I think I think Twix. I I had a Mars bar, and every time I have a Mars bar, Mars bar is like Snickers. That's it's like a Snickers that's missing ingredients. Mm-hmm. There's this why why does the Mars bar exist? You know what I mean? It's like it's halfway yeah. to a Snickers. I like, you see featured here, those little mini Reese's. Those okay. are addictive. Like if you eat one or two of those, all yeah. of a sudden you're digging in the basket to find the next one. Those are it's addictive. Interesting. I was telling my roommate, I'm not really big on Reese's, like the peanut butter with the chocolate. Maybe it's because mm. of the granule kind of texture of the yeah. uh, of the peanut butter. I, I'm not opposed to it and I'll have it with like a glass of milk, but like I don't, it, I don't, I don't crave those. I would go for that Mr. Good Bar. I do like a Mr. Good Bar, but my favorite is Junior Mints. I'm trying to remember what a Mr. Good Bar tastes like. There, it's just a chocolate bar with peanuts. Yeah. Okay, so it's pretty basic. Yeah. But uh, uh, if we're looking for healthiest Halloween candy, that would be the peanut M&M's or similar candy. When it comes to choices with multiple components like peanuts, you're at least getting a little more substance than corn syrup. So... Right. Uh, they go on. Uh, the article this is talking why he looks so scared. <laughs> why am I so delicious? Also the healthiest. Uh, and that's not saying a lot of healthiest. The peanut M&M's has a little less than a gram of fiber, two grams of protein, nine grams of sugar. A similar size serving of Reese's peanut butter cups has about the same nutritional value, but a little more added sugar. Snickers have no fiber, one gram of protein, nine grams of added sugar. That should be their it's, new ad. Snickers, we don't have any fiber. <laughs> You're it's not, not yourself. a whole balance, they say, but it gives us a little more sense of fullness compared yeah. to the straight up sugar candy. So at least you're getting some nuts in there, some peanuts or whatever. Yeah. Um, 
Peanut M&Ms are made of mostly milk chocolate. Almond Joys, for comparison, are made of nuts and chocolate, but they're mostly made of corn syrup. So looking at the first ingredient, which is the candy's most abundant, is a good way to compare candies. Candies with nuts unless you have a nut allergy, would be your healthiest option. If you're into sugary sugary sweets, Smarties are the healthy, healthiest option. That's like really? little pure sugar pills, That's right? That's pure sugar tablet. One serving of Smarties contains 25 calories and 6 grams of sugar. For comparison, Sour Patch Kids have 110 calories and 24 grams of sugar in one serving. So if we're looking at, you know, if you're looking in the bag, the candy bag, and you're trying to think, I'm going to eat one. I don't enjoy anything like Smarties. It's just Mm. pure sugar. The whole time I'm like Mm. trying to eat it, it's just like, uh, I feel like I'm actively creating a cavity. I like a Smartie. You know? Wes asked, what about almond M&M's? I don't think they were included in the research, but I mean, I logically so. speaking, they would probably be even maybe even healthier. Yeah, than M&M's. it depends. The reason they didn't rank the um, Almond Joy as high, even though they have two almonds, like one on each little mound, right? Or yeah. if you have the mini, only one, is because they have a higher level of um, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup. So just look at the are, ingredients. And are if that's almond the first... M&M's a common thing? Because I can't remember seeing them Mm-mm. i don't think so no yeah, it's mostly peanut m&ms them. and plain m&ms yeah and now they have like a caramel m&m as well so yeah. i don't know but i mean it makes sense if you think about the m M&M, the peanut m&m by volume it's mostly peanut right so it's like you're eating peanuts with a shellacking of, of something bad stuff. else people never do because it's just so hard on halloween to fit everything in is to try to give your kids a nutritious meal before they go trick-or-treating and before so that they're already kind of full before the candy right, comes so they're into not play. Ravenous. Yeah, yeah. I think that makes a big difference. So. Good strategy. They uh, also covered... talk about oh, a parent sorry. tax. Can I just say this? Uh-huh. Uh, there's a parent tax from candy hoarding. So you levy a toll on candy. Up until the age of four, they said we want kids to be careful with nuts, hard candies, sticky candy, and gum. It's a nice way to weed out what might not be safe for younger kids. A parent, They pay a parent tax, right. so you take all that stuff. So anyway, like you're the professional to... taster yeah. <laughs> for the king and queen. Uh, we covered this story way, way back. Remember this tree that they were talking about protecting? Yeah. This was up in Sonoma County, uh, Russian River area, right? Uh, yeah. One of California's tallest redwood trees is now protected forever. Decades of intermittent Yay. fighting about the fate of the historic redwood and its forested surroundings along the leg of the Russian River in the rural Sonoma County ended this month with the land purchased by the conservationists who intend to impose long-term protections on the site. This is a 394-acre property, spans a mile of wooded river frontage near Guerneville. Perhaps most significantly, it is home to the 278-foot, is it Clar? Clar yeah, Clark Clar tree. Clar mm-hmm. tree. A 2,000-year-old monarch redwood thought to be the tallest in Sonoma County. It's said to be one yeah. of the last standing behemoths from an era of rampant longing mm-hmm. when the largest redwoods in Sonoma were cut down in mass. The tree was estimated to stand 340 feet before last winter's heavy storms uh, lopped off the crown. Yeah, they say they're setting the stage for nearly 400 acres of redwood forest to heal and become old again so future generations can experience what we lost so long ago. Well done. Save the Clark tree. Excellent. Yeah, really cool. I think they don't necessarily want people to know exactly where it is because they don't want people to go and ruin things. Trash so we're not going to post the GPS coordinates. No, we're not doing it. No. But if you really want to find out, I'm sure you can find out. I think it's already. I have there. to give credit to to um, David and Lucille Packard Foundation. 
because they got a $2 million bridge loan, the league, the Conservation League, from the Packard Foundation, um, and a $500,000 matching gift from the Federated Indians of Great and Rancheria, as well as donations from 2,000 supporters to help them do this. So that's really, really good. Yeah, love it. Love it. Beautiful. Should we go take a break? I think we can do one more story here. Mm. Okay. You don't seem convinced. <laughs> I just accidentally okay. closed my Let's page. take a break and then we'll re- <laughs> we'll compose ourselves, Kim. <laughs> and we'll be right back here on we'll the After right Party back. Live. The After Party Live is underwritten by our audience. And without you, this show wouldn't be possible. If you can contribute $10, $15, or $20 a month, it would keep this party a rockin'. The PayPal link can be found in the About section of the YouTube channel or at the bottom of the show description. Any dollar amount is appreciated, and it all adds up. On behalf of Kim and myself, thank you for your consideration. Aloha, bitches. It's the After Party Live. Indeed. Thank you to our repeat contributors, Linda A. and Jim L. And again, thank you to all the people that have jumped in with the super stickers with William DeMichelli uh, with a $4 super sticker. You are appreciated. William Gipe with a $3 super sticker. You rock. Harry with a $5 super sticker. Love you. Thank you. Wes with a $5 super sticker. You guys are awesome. Thank you for helping us keep the show afloat. We appreciate that very now, much. Now, Kim, if you need to delay and, you know, you need some time, just uh, demand that break. Don't just ask for it. You take no, it. Take it and you go to it. No, I'm more of an asking kind of girl. Do you want me to do the story about voters? Um, yeah, why not? Yeah, okay. So, California voters, you know, we have these referendums and sometimes when they're trying to re-look at a law, the language can be confusing. So, you vote yes, but you really think you're voting no, and you vote no, and no means yes, and yes means yeah. no. And what the other is thing all? they do is they take one thing that's yeah. really popular, mm-hmm. and they'll have like a three-legged proposition, and then the third one's the thing they really want to pass through, like that Prop right. 13 change where like, you have to live you. in it. You have to live in the house now if you get it from your parents. Like that was because yes. the, the one that was going to pass was elderly people can like you know transfer their property, like move somewhere yeah. else, right, in state. Yeah. You got to be careful of the propositions. Well, now when it's a case of whether or not to overturn a law or keep the law in place. That's exactly what it's going to say. Your options will be keep the law, overturn the law. Right. Easy language, easy to understand, no tricksters, no, you know, nobody trying to get your vote for something that you didn't really intend it to be. Right. So um, voters apparently, usually when they oppose a referendum, which means voting yes on the ballot measure or vice versa, the format is potentially confusing. And so that is going to change. Governor Gavin Newsom just signed this law on Sunday. When a referendum challenging a proposed state law appears on the ballot, voters will be told they have two choices. Keep the law overturn the law. The ballot will describe the challenge law and its purposes, and the ballot pamphlet distributed to voters will list top financial contributors to the referendum as well. Thank you. I want to know who's behind it. I want to have it be very easy, very clear. The purpose is to make it clear that voters are deciding whether the law uh, will take effect. And the quote is from uh, Assembly Majority Leader Isaac Bryan, who authored this bill. 
Assemblyman Brian is from Los Angeles. Voters deserve a process that provides them with clear choices on the ballot and tools to more completely understand who is behind this measure. That voters are often uncertain as to whether they're voting to reverse or preserve a law. So great. Make it simple. Make it what you want. Have people allow people to not be so confused on the ballot. We need processes, protocols and standards. It's true. Like, have it be easy. Overturn the law. Keep the law. That's it. Yeah. So that's the new law. Well done. Very cool. Stop trying to manipulate people. Um, Yeah. Some entertainment news. Pink has canceled a couple shows due to a medical emergency. Yeah. She's uh, postponing two of her upcoming shows because she says there's a medical issue in her family requiring immediate attention. The singer announced the postponements of her Tuesday and Wednesday gigs in Tacoma, Washington, with a social media mm-hmm. post on Monday apologizing to her fans for the inconvenience. Pink says she's sorry. She's sending nothing but love and health to all. It's unclear what's going on back home. Um, mm-hmm. TMZ reached out to Pink's reps, but so far no word back. So. I hope everybody's okay because I don't think she would cancel shows on a big concert like this unless something was really going on. So I yeah, hope and she had already okay. postponed an earlier concert yeah. back in September when she had a sinus mm-hmm. infection. I mean, th- these yeah. things happen, and I yeah. think her fan her fans understand. Tyler Perry is building a new studio facility in Atlanta, Georgia, and it's a big thing. And apparently, the area around where he's building is increasing in property value so much so that people that lived in that area are now having trouble paying their property taxes because the prices of their homes have risen because it's near his up and coming, you know, Tyler Perry studios. So in order to help solve this problem, he is setting aside $750,000 so low-income seniors aren't forced out of their homes because of rising property taxes, he's going to help people pay their property taxes. He said there's a lot of folks who live in the area, the value of the land is increasing and driving up property taxes, and so we're going to help out. We're just going to help out. Um, the 750,000 will do a number of things in the community, including paying off all back property taxes for every low income senior in Atlanta, which covers nearly 300 homes. The money will cover taxes imposed by the city, county, and schools. It will, um, effectively freeze property taxes for 100 low-income seniors for 20 years of the money going to pay the difference between the current property taxes and property tax increases over the next two decades. So there you go. What a nice thing to do. Well, you know, he is close personal friends with Oprah. So do you think he's lying or do you think he's telling the truth, Kim? You know, he's loaded. He's one of, he is the only black man in the Forbes top 10 highest paid entertainers. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and I love that he wants to give back to the community that he's moving into. That's really good. Uh, speaking of people who have a lot of money, our friend Britney Spears. Oh, she Brit, could Brit. sink into a dangerous mental health meltdown after the release of her memoir, according to her relatives mm-hmm. who are, are sending out a warning. Britney Spears' family has fears that the star could sink into a dangerous mental health meltdown because, uh, after this release of her uh, memoir. The hitmaker has mm-hmm. been working with acclaimed writer and journalist Sam Lansky and editors from publishers Simon & Schuster on her 288-page upcoming memoir. Uh, the book is expected to lay bare a lot of her life's traumas and battles from the last few years, and relatives worry about the strain she may be under when it hits mm-hmm. the shelves. According to a source, Britney has undergone therapy sessions and counseling as she relived some of the, her darkest times from relationship splits to being placed in 
yeah, Los Angeles Hospital Psychiatric Ward. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like somebody who's close to her needs to help her. Like we were talking about the other day. Not that she needs to be, you know, put back in the conservatorship, but one of her, I mean, she's got money, right? Like somebody, even if it's just her assistant, should be kind of helping her. Somebody's got to be helping her, right? And that's, that's, that's somewhat yeah. neutral. I mean, somewhat neutral, not her family, you know, her family yeah. who seem a little uh, suspect, and especially her father. But then right? how, you're under no obligation to take help from someone. So if she doesn't want the help, she isn't going to get it. And that's what she said, that after the conservatorship ended, she was under that she had to go to therapy three times a week before yeah. it ended. And that after it ended, she's like, I'm done with the therapy. I'm not going three times a week anymore. Yeah. So I'm just saying that one of her friends you know, or close confidence, somebody should be helping her out because she's, you know, I don't know. The, the videos she's recording and sending out. It's hard to force she, people into help. It really yeah, is. Yeah, she difficult. looks unhinged and uh, I, I wish the best for her, but it, it looks like she's dancing you know, she with was, knives and everything. She was taking a lot of hardcore medication for a very long time that obviously yeah. has altered her brain chemistry. So um, not putting her down, I'm just saying that, like, hopefully she has somebody that she trusts that can help her kind of get through this, the turbulence. The book is called The Woman in Me, and I. it's funny because it's going to be one of these things where every few days in order to get people to buy it, there's going to be some revelation that's right. going to come out that, oh, you That know, she called today, Mitt Romney and asked him to run for no, president with her? Today's revelation <laughs> is that when she and Justin Timberlake were dating way back when, apparently right. she got pregnant and had an abortion. That's the <sighs> new That's the new one. It was a Timberlake Spears... Issue, Again, like we were saying earlier, yeah. this is like this is the publisher. This is the, right. the people, the PR people involved. They have this yeah. list of things to you know trickle out. So and there will be, and we'll be seeing that like every because they want it to stay be... in the news cycle and they want to drive yeah. sales. It's just exactly. uh, it's it's what is it? It's money, yeah, money. Uh, <laughs> so if we have money, we are going to travel, and it is travel Tuesday. Or maybe here you're on just, the after party live. Or maybe Woo! you don't have the money and you're just planning, dreaming. You know, you're just dreaming, dreaming and scheming of the future. Um, although the story we're starting out with first is not a not a necessarily happy mm. story, uh, but Royal Caribbean. The good news is Royal Caribbean has stepped in to um, to uh, evacuate Americans from Israel. So yeah, Royal Caribbean International cruise ship helped evacuate U.S. nationals from Israel on Monday, which mm -hmm. is good because a lot of the flights, um, you know, the flights were canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, the line's rap rhapsody of the seas vessel has been sailing in the region, but canceled its itineraries in the wake of the war. Um, now, with enhanced safety precautions in place, the ship is providing free passage, including accommodation and food for Americans in the region wishing to leave and find safer ground. This is, a, I mean, not only is this really good of them, but uh, that's really good marketing, <laughs> public yeah. relations, right? Um, especially after COVID. Uh, the evacuation was conducted in partnership with the U.S. State Department and uh, the U.S. Embassy in Israel said in a security alert Sunday that boarding would begin in order of arrival on Monday at 8 a.m. local time. The ship would sail from uh, Haifa to Limassol, Cyprus. Rhapsody of the Seas uh, ship can accommodate more than 2,400 passengers. Um, very, very cool of them to do yeah, that. Yeah, really nice. I just wish everybody could that needed to get out was able to get out. Yeah. Let's talk about this um, plane that uh -oh. was diverted over a diaper. What? That was what? mistaken for a bomb. Mm -hmm. What? Yeah, it was a Copa Airlines flight headed to Tampa, Florida from Panama City. Uh, and 
They got word that there was a suspicious object in one of the plane's bathrooms. Somebody must have gone into a bathroom, seen this. You know, when you wrap up a diaper, a suspicious object. It in the can toilet? look like a. It looks ra- no. It looks rather circular, and someone must have left it on the counter or something, okay. right? Instead of throwing it in the little bin. Right. Rude. So the plane has to circle back away, and it lands back in Panama. And went to a solitary tarmac, like away from everywhere else, before the 144 passengers were led off. They had an anti-explosives team inspect the aircraft. The head of airport security said the suspicious object was not, in fact, a dangerous explosive, but an adult diaper. So it was an adult diaper. That was well, even bigger than a Well, technically, it could one. have been a dangerous explosive. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean? not that kind of explosive. Um, they had the canine units, the special forces examine the object, and they said, we found it to be an adult diaper, ruling out any risk. Problem they don't have solved, details here, but... Done. Thank you for the inconvenience. I would have thought uh, a flight attendant would check it out first. And you would think a flight attendant would recognize that. It's not the well, first time that they've flown. Well, maybe that's not the processes, protocols, and standards. Maybe if someone says, I think there might be a, a an incendiary device in the plane restroom, you don't waste time going in there. You you think to yourself, I'm staying as far away as possible, yeah, and you think we're turning this bad of, boy around. You think they'd have some kind of check, because anybody could say that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and cause a plane to rewrite. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it seems a little. Except Tesla says stink bomb. <laughs> yeah, especially if much. it's a bathroom, because I'm sure people leave things in the bathroom all the time. You know, how embarrassing if that was your thing that you left in there, and you're like, oh god. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Let's move on. Yeah, please. <laughs> let's, let's air things out. Uh, the world's first off-road solar SUV just drove across Morocco, powered only by the sun. This okay, is pretty that's cool. a weird looking vehicle. That is really interesting. Yeah, but check out those yeah. goats. The goats are like, hey, what's yeah. this? Zero emission cars are soaring in popularity, of course, but running an electric vehicle is next to impossible in places with limiting charging infrastructure. So Stella Terra could change that. The khaki green SUV uses solar panels on its sloping roof to charge its electric battery, meaning it could drive long distances powered entirely by the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, although you might have a problem like if you're you know what's in, funny know, about that is Nikki Maduro for the last two years has been saying we need to have something just like this yeah but yeah. I, I mean think about it if you're in like san francisco or london you're like it's a little foggy today that's it you're on the you. golden gate bridge and you're like oh yeah. the charging has stopped uh, built by a team of students at endhoven uh, University of Technology, the world's first off-road solar-powered vehicle, could help connect remote areas where roads are less developed and energy grids are not as reliable. The mm-hmm. team tested the vehicle in Morocco earlier this month, driving more than 1,000 kilometers, that's about 621 miles, between the country's northern coast and the Sahara Desert in the south. Morocco has a huge variety of landscapes and different surfaces in quite a short distance, adding that the car was tested on every type of surface that a car mm. would likely encounter. Uh, the road legal car has a top speed of 90 miles per hour. Wow. Wow. On a sunny day, it's battery. <laughs> here we go. Mm-hmm. On a sunny day, its battery range is about uh, 441 miles. Wow. That's more than a tank of gas mm-hmm. on my Honda. And about um, 342 miles off-road, depending on the surface. In cloudy conditions, the team estimates estimates the range could be about 50 kilometers less. So um, they said noted the vehicle had proved to be one-third more efficient than expected on the trip. That's cool. And its lightweight design made it less liable to get stuck on rugged terrain and put less stress on the suspension. So um, that's pretty cool. That's the car uh, of the future. If they can figure out a way to harness the solar power and store it in some type of non-polluting battery, right? Right. And that every car is just then self-powered. 
all batteries are going to pollute at some point during the production. Don't rain on my parade. Because <laughs> 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 there's heavy, there are heavy elements in, in the production of, and then the disposal of batteries. But I get I, what you're saying. Not um, listening to what you're telling me. But you know, it, uh, it, as long as the majority of the power can be get um, received through the solar yeah. panels, right? You're reducing how much energy you need to, you know, to right. recharge, and you can go further distances. That's pretty cool, even if it's a hybrid. I think this story is so interesting. I really hope that the research on this continues and that they that this is the wave of the future. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, next time you're driving st- across Morocco. In, well, next time I'm driving across Petaluma, could I please not stop and pay $6 a gallon for gas? Thank you. Yeah. Amsterdam versus over tourism. Mm. Mm. God, it's so pretty there. Look it at that. It is one of the most beautiful cities. You've been there. Why don't you tell yeah. me about this story? Um, okay. Uh, Amsterdam is about to beat its own record for having the highest tourist tax in Europe and possibly the world next year. According to a budget released by the city government, the tourist tax will further be increased to fund extra spending so that visitors visitors make a bigger contribution to the city. There's a daily fee charged to cruise ship uh, day visitors. That's going to go from 8 to 11 euros and the euro to dollars about they even They charge right you money right when you get off the ship? Well, you think about it, it's like a hotel tax, like an occupancy okay. tax, right? All right. So that's like a landing tax that's like included in your in your cruise fare. Oh, um, okay. Right. And then the nightly fee built into hotel rooms will jump about um, 12.5% of the room rate. So Amsterdam's been striving to combat over-tourism. Um, I have two friends that live there and they said, yeah, it's just, it's not just Americans. It's like people from all mm-hmm. over the world because, you know, as the ability to travel for people, you know, the discount airlines, budget airlines, the city just became overrun with people who want... You know, yeah, you know, to smoke marijuana, go to the cafes, uh, find prostitutes. It's mm-hmm. it kind of became like the wild, wild west. It's like a Las Vegas on steroids, and it's sad because it's like you could see it's a very beautiful city uh, mm-hmm. with canals. Um, so Amsterdam has been striving to combat this, and with measures including telling unde- undesirable visitors to stay away and restrict- mm-hmm. restricting cruise arrivals, it's also been trying to discourage those who come to the city in search of sex and drugs. So I know that a lot of the um, the red light district was owned by uh, like kind of like mafia ownership, and oh. what the city is buying up all these buildings, and um, basically becoming the um, not only the landlord but also the employer to the prostitutes, um, and make and making sure that they have a- access to healthcare and you know STI yeah. service testing and all that, um, so that they're not working for the mob bosses, and then they're kind of like limiting it. And I heard they were trying to move it to a different area, um, but it, it, it's kind of like party over for that. The, the city, yeah. you know, the, the people who live in Amsterdam want their city back, which I think we I can understand all understand. that. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. There has to be a healthy balance between tourism and getting just the right amount of people to come, you know, yeah. where you enough have to a support tourism the city, industry, but, but yeah, not enough to overwhelm it. You don't want to, to ruin it. the thing that yeah. attracts people. Yeah. Another story, and, you know, you see these love locks in different places, yeah. right? In Paris. And, in Paris, and I, I, there's another, there's some other one that's really famous. Uh, I know it from the Amazing Race. Yeah, there's one but in Prague. I didn't know that there was one at the Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona. People are trying to make it into something, and <laughs> yeah. the park rangers are like, like uh-uh. no, "This guy's not having it." No, he said, uh, "He says love is strong, but our bolt cutters are stronger. Don't even do it." Their national park, Grand Canyon National Park, has a social media page, and they posted that the park management is expressing concern about love locks, padlocks hung from a metal fence, often bearing a couple's name or initials, and then people throw a key into a nearby body of water. 
A lot of people think these locks are good luck for a relationship, but throwing away the key symbolizes an unbroken love. But apparently, while the locks themselves are considering litter, littering and graffiti, the keys can cause even more serious problems environmentally. And the critically endangered California condor is attracted to shiny things. And so some of the birds have eaten keys out of the water, had to have surgery to remove them because Mm. they're curious animals and they're not meant to digest metal and they can't pass these objects. So park rangers are like, no, love locks are a problem. And the other destinations, um, notably, as you mentioned, John Paris, uh, Pont d'Arc, where the locks had become so heavy they were damaging the structural integrity of the bridge. The city of Paris had to remove the locks in 2015. The weight of the 700,000 metal objects was equivalent to 20 elephants, they say. Once they were all removed, the city put glass partitions up on the bridge to prevent anyone from adding new locks. So these things can do damage. They don't want that. Human yeah, litter Cal- again, says Calvin. Yeah. Yeah. So again, uh, unlike the Galapagos turtles, we are not improving our environment. Yeah. <laughs> we are not rebuilding it. Uh, we're not building it back better. Uh, time for one more travel story. We're kind of yeah, doing yeah. an extended Let's travel uh, section here today. Uh, <laughs> are long flights safe for your health? This is uh, again from Popular Science. Mm. Uh, currently, is that because the- of radiation? There are a lot of factors here. Uh, currently, okay. the world's longest nonstop. Uh, commercial flight takes 18 hours and 50 minutes, almost 19 hours, connecting Singapore to New York's uh, JFK. But is that trek really necessary? With AI-assisted flight routes, uh, electric planes, and other tech poised to change air travel, it's only a matter of time before long-haul flights become more efficient. And more importantly, the question, are they safe for your health? There are few uh, health risks linked to flying, aside from being swarmed by mosquitoes or breathing mm, in dog farts. No, uh, Tacking on a few more hours probably wouldn't have that much of an impact, though. If it's one seventeenth of the trip, it's not that big of a deal, um, according to this expert. Still, he says uh, there's a multitude of things that you need to be concerned about when you do go on long haul flight. Cramped conditions, sitting in a cramped seat for hours isn't just unpleasant; it could lead to deep vein thrombosis when blood clots form in your yeah. legs due to uh, mm-hmm. poor blood flow. So I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I just get up and walk, you know, walk back and forth uh, the length right. of the plane. The longer you don't move, the greater your risk. So worst case scenario, the clot can break free and uh, lodge in the lungs. Fortunately, it is rare. So yeah, flex your legs, get up, walk around. Uh, Passengers really need to think about getting up anywhere between three uh, to four hours and walk around. Um, It also helps to focus on hydration, which means avoiding the very drinks you're most likely to reach for on the flight. Mm. Uh, Soft drinks, booze, and coffee are all diuretics, meaning they make you go to the bathroom more. So if you're on a long-haul flight, it's recommended that you start hydrating the day before. Keep a water bottle on hand in in your carry-on bag. Um, Obviously, you're going to have to empty that and refill it at the airport. But uh, the super dry air on a plane can make it easier to get dehydrated. It also dries out your mucus. Um, So uh, uh, there's always a chance. Yeah, you could catch a cold or worse from your fellow passengers. Um, So you might be out of luck if you're seated next to someone who's already ill. However, the idea that the recirculating air on a plane abets disease transmission is a myth. Airflow and circulation of cabin air is quite sophisticated technically. So there's usually no high risk of getting infected, even when you have someone uh, sitting two rows before you. Um, But think about it, you know, if somebody's coughing right next to you. Can you imagine uh, being on a 19-hour 19 hour long flight with somebody hacking up a lung right next right. to you? Right, I mean, because they're like, going to be touching. You know you're getting sick. They're going to they're they're be climbing over you, or they're mm-hmm. going to be touching the tray tables and the, you know, the, the armrests or fighting over the armrests. Um, yeah, so they're saying be more concerned about the tray tables, the bathrooms, other germ-gathering uh, surfaces. It reminds us of COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, it's the things that you're touching. 
to your question, radiation and air pressure, there's not much you can do about the cosmic rays, though. Each time a passenger flies, they're exposed to a tiny amount of radiation. The more time on the plane, the more radiation you'll get, according right. to an aerospace engineer at MIT. However, the radiation most travelers are exposed to in a given year falls comfortably within the recommended radiation exposure for a member oh, of the okay. public. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm concerned for those flight attendants that I know that like work international mm-hmm. and that they're, they're always up in the air. Yeah. Um, the very frequent travelers who are flying long haul could potentially go above the recommended limits. Um, and you can calculate that online. You, they have, you know, calculators, but that's not within the region where you'd have any real health concern, concerns. It's unclear how harmful these still low levels of radiation exposure are um, or if they're harmful at all. Pilots and other flight crew members do spend enough time in the air that the Centers for Disease Control um, and Prevention considers them radiation workers. Isn't that crazy? The agency oh, wow. recommends them to try to limit their time on flights that are very long um, or fly at high altitudes or fly over the poles. Another concern is that the air pressure is also lower than it is at sea level. This doesn't mm-hmm. bother most people. However, the thin air can cause problems for those who are older and have heart conditions, other yeah. pre-existing conditions. So um, overall risk factors, ultimately, the longer the flight is, the more time you have for something to go wrong. And planes have become larger in recent years, which also increases the probability of in-flight medical emergencies. So a lot of things to keep in mind. I mean, you don't really, if you're just doing a normal amount of travel, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Just um, wipe, you know, bring, a, you like to have those Clorox wipes, right? So bring some wipes, wipe everything down. <laughs> How do you down. know that? Yeah. How do I know that? Yeah. During the pandemic. When you uh, you needed oh. a refill, oh, that's right. Remember? And you you bought me some at Costco when you found yeah. them. Yeah, I yeah. Think I them off Remember, I used to carry my own Clorox wipes to KGO every day and like wipe down the desks and wipe down everything. Yeah, yeah. Wipe down John Rothman's desk, everything. Because I was wiping that place down. Yeah, I was trying really hard <laughs> to keep people from getting sick in that place. Uh, Square says those people in the picture were wearing their masks a little too high. <laughs> that's true. Oh, that. Yeah, <laughs> those are different kind of masks. <laughs> their eye, their eye masks. Yeah, that's that funny. kid is over it. Mm. Um, from travel Tuesday to back to work, here we go. Oh, I guess a lot of people have to go to meetings, and sometimes meetings. I'm so can glad be we don't have to go to meetings. Long and boring, yeah. and so people have decided this is a great use for the robot. Send the <laughs> robot instead. <laughs> The robots yes. can take notes. They can make suggestions. They can critique your performance if you, uh, if you, if they need to. Uh, Do you yeah. really want a robot critiquing your performance? <laughs> no, I don't really. You know, Kim, you could have done this so much better. Do you mm-hmm. want them to present it in the uh, your famous, your infamous S sandwich? These are yes, I do. You did this really well. You did this poorly. You did this really well. These are uh, obviously not people. They are AI-powered entities. Thank you for clarifying. I don't know if this is real because it seems like we don't really have these AI robots yet. And from what I understand, in the next five to ten years, this will be something normal for people, right? This will be, it'll go from really expensive to like maybe $5,000 for a robot. And from what I understand from Robert Scoble, most households will have a robot to handle mundane tasks just like this. So uh, I just thought that was interesting uh, that you would send and imagine a whole table full of robots. If everybody sends their robots to the meeting, what's the point <laughs> of the meeting? You just send an email. Yeah. Right. Or they could just talk behind your back electronically. They don't need to be in person. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. Just robots attending meetings. I thought that was funny. 
That is pretty funny. Yeah. Um, I can imagine the Mark Thompson show meeting with a bunch of robots. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Albert Robot uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Kim Robot. Tony Robot. Uh, your next iPhone might be pricier. Uh-oh. What? How could it be? Not, we know they're not expensive enough. It's already, After this, yeah. this, you know, this Google antitrust trial that's going on. Um, and it's it's very clear. Once you find out what it is, it'll all make sense to you here. Google has essentially been subsidizing the costs of your phone. Did you know this? Even if you have no. an iPhone. Mm-mm. If government regulators prevail against Google in the biggest U.S. antitrust trial in a quarter century, it's likely to unleash drastic changes that will undermine the dominance of a search engine that defines the Internet for billions of people. As the 10-week trial probing Google's business practices nears its midway point, it's still too early to tell if uh, the judge will side with the Justice Department and try to handcuff one of the tech's most dominant players. Uh, if Meta uh, rules, this is the name of the judge, not the company, if Meta rules that Google has been running, an, although that's funny, an illegal mo- monopoly in search, the punishment could open up new online avenues for consumers and businesses to explore in pursuit of information. The judge can compel Google to open the floodgates so that other startups and third-party competitors could put greater pressure on Google, which will create higher quality online search services. So Google's search engine earned its huge market share by almost instantaneously presenting people with helpful information, right? Mm-hmm. When you use it, you're, you're hooked because it works, right? It gives you what you want. Um, Google also pays billions, billions with a B. Google pays billions of dollars every year to ensure that its search engine is the default choice for answering queries entered mm-hmm. into the world's most popular smartphones and bra- web browsers. So that's the thing. They're paying for that placement, kind of like, you know, food brands paying to be at the, you know, at, mm-hmm. on the end cap at a grocery store or being at a child's eye level, right? Yeah. So the fact that Google is paying billions of dollars to uh, Apple uh, and other companies, 15 to 20 billion estimated billion dollars paid to Apple alone, 15 to 20 billion dollars every year. Isn't that insane? That is crazy. Just to be but the default my- search engine. My iPhone did not come with only Google on it, though. It also came with, um, what is it? Safari. Yeah. I well, Safari is your browser. It's your browser. That's not the search engine. But if you type something into Safari, which is Apple's browser, it will go right. to Google by default. You oh, have to really? go into the settings and change it to Bing. Oh, interesting. Because I also have a Google app on my phone, and that's how I go to Chrome. So okay. Well, that way, if you're a using Safari a Google app. product, then, of course, the Google product is going to default to themselves. Yeah, yeah. Um, but any browser can be changed. Hmm. You know, to, to the, the default browser can be changed, but it's a tedious process. You have to go through the settings. And the funny thing is, every time you install a rival browser, it asks you up front. It's like, hey, do you mind if I go around and change your default browser settings to me? Yeah. Right? So if you download, like, uh, Internet, um, well, it's not Internet, um, what do they call it now? The, the search engine, uh, well, it's Bing, but it's on their, their browser. Um, anyway, the Microsoft browser, Edge. DuckDuckGo? Duck, oh, no, Edge. Edge. If you yeah. install Edge browser, it's going to say like, hey, do you mind if we change your Google search engine default to Bing? Yes, and, I do. Uh, yes, I mind I do very mind. much. Thank you very much. But yeah, so yeah. if those 15 to $20 billion go away, then the price yeah. of your uh, products are most likely going to shoot up. I thought that was interesting. It is interesting. Um, and, you know, they're money, doing money, this money. whole antitrust trial about Google and and whether it has cornered the market like this. Yeah. So this is just another evidence, more evidence against them in this case. Do we have time for one more? Yeah, let's do it. Because I thought this story was from The Onion when I first saw it. I thought this has to be satire. This can't be real. I think it's real. Tell me if you think it's real. That's not fake. That's real. That's real. President Biden has joined former President Trump's 
Truth Social site <laughs> because, <laughs> quote, we thought it would be funny. Oh, okay. Yeah. So uh, President Biden's presidential campaign announced yesterday that it would join Truth Social in order to meet voters where they are. Because even Republicans can't agree on a Speaker of the House, so clearly not every Republican thinks the same. <laughs> what really what really they were doing is they were trying to be funny. So right. they did join it. It is They're really Biden-Harris headquarters. It is really. The first po post says, well, let's see how this goes. Converts welcome, as you can see here. The Biden campaign already made several posts. Some of them feature Republican politicians like Senator Tim Scott, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley, Matt Gates, criticizing or disagreeing with Trump. They say, we'll be leveraging the fact that Republicans can sometimes be our best messengers. This is in keeping with the president's previous social media push, which took statements from Republicans like Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and then turned them into campaign ads. Was it Boebert that said or or Green that said something like uh, something great about President Biden and she didn't mean to, but then they took it and they kind of used it? So uh, I don't know. It'll, we'll see. It seems like, though, if you went to a place like Truth Social, you just take a beating. Like these are not people who want to hear your message. But okay, whatever you're gonna do. Uh, it is, you know, it's funny. The Mark Thompson show and the Nikki Medoro show, and today is the Nikki Medoro show anniversary, have officially been around for Stephen one Nikki. year. Yeah, thank you. Truth Social has been around for two years. So okay, it's still, you know, it's kicking. It's it's there. Stop trying to make it a thing. It's not. They have. It's not a thing because you know why? <laughs> well, it is, it is a thing. I mean, with And the they wackos. have a lot more uh, subscribers than, than we do, I will say. Well, that's true. They have 2 million active users, but compare that to X, which has 450 million, right? Um, and 2.91 billion for Facebook. 2 million is nothing. So, but no. it's still a way to get your message to the people. But that... it's a dedicated core audience, just like you know, yeah. right wing radio in San Francisco right. is actually successful because it's uh, national programming. There are no employees locally, and uh, there's a dedicated audience. And if you have that dedicated audience and they're willing yeah. to listen and put in the hours, then the advertisers will pay for it and support That's right. it. Yeah. Um, and speaking of people who put in uh, uh, contribute <laughs> money and 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 help us out, we want to thank uh, William again. William. And uh, another William. And William. <laughs> and Harry. It's and, a parade of Williams and a Harry. And Wes. And a Wes. Uh, and we want to thank repeat contributors Linda A. and Jim L. Uh, it help us helps us. We don't have a large budget. Uh, we're trying to get this yeah. sustainable, keep it running. Thanks, it guys. does take money. So every subscription goes a long way to keeping the yeah. show going. So. Uh, when we come back tomorrow on the After Party Live, we'll tell you about a home that was robbed for a specific kind of doll. What kind oh. of doll would that be? We'll also have the top grandparent names. And I don't know, did you call your grandparents Grandma Grandpa? Uh, grandma, just, I only had one grandma here locally, so it was Grandma, okay. my other grandma was on the other side of the world, and I never met my grandparents, my grandfather. Oh, yeah, okay, well, grandma. a lot of people don't wanna be called Grandma. They have other names. We'll tell you the top names for those. And uh, and much, much more. That is all in the After Party Live. But I hope you guys have a really good afternoon. And you too, John Daly. You too, Kim McAllister. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Bye. This is not CNN.